0: Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Sun Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message.
1: All right, what's up, C12? We are uh, so <clears throat> excited for tonight. Uh, one of the things and, and reasons why we do nights like this, uh, obviously tonight is a different feel. It's a different... Uh, vibe, but uh, you know, last week you got to see uh, our our kind of worship and community night. Uh, how many of you guys got to be a part of that, by the way? Uh, man, that was uh, man, was so awesome! And uh, we're going to do more things like that uh, when it just comes to be together as a family, as a ministry, and as a community. What it means to come together and worship, and one of the ways is we get to worship through music and through song. But one of the other ways we get to worship is just by hanging out uh, and being at a table and eating some chips and queso and some salsa. Uh, It could look something like that, but this is just one of the ways that we just get to worship together Worship looks like in a different form different expression This is one of the ways that we get to worship god just by loving each other uh, sitting around a table Um, And so tonight we're just kind of kind of dive into into that I just wanted to recap last week for those that that missed out We we will have more uh, nights like that uh, throughout the coming months Uh, and into the fall. Uh, We do have something uh, that is coming up on July 16th. I'm just going to talk about it. It is the C12 Cookout uh, on the 16th. Go ahead and save the date for that. Uh, Sign up. Let us know you're going to be there. Uh, We are having Chef Susie uh, make some of the best burgers on the planet. yeah, I know. I'm, I get excited every time. I, I know you're making food, um, but we're going to have that. Hey, we just love to have you guys uh, be a part of uh, events like that. That's going to be on July 16th. Can't wait to have you there. Uh, but obviously tonight, let's, let's switch gears and kind of jump in. Uh, we, we're obviously hanging around round tables, eating some chips and dip, having conversation. Um, and maybe there's uh, there's people at your table that you haven't met yet. And uh, great, (laughs) that's kind of the whole point of Nights Like This. We want you to be around other people that you don't know. Uh, And if you are new tonight, welcome. We are so glad that you're here, so glad that you decided to be out to C12 on Thursday tonight. Uh, And we just love to have more of a conversation with you, love to get a chance to meet you uh, after service. But you picked a great night to be here, not only just to eat some food and hang out, but Nights Like This are also uh, super fun where you get to meet some other people that are in your stage of life. And maybe that's why you came. Like maybe you came tonight because you're looking for community and you're looking like you, you followed us on social, you, you had a recommended from a friend, hey, go to C12 and you knew about what C12 meant to them that now you want to come because you want the community that they had. Maybe you're just also trying to figure out uh, what God uh, and what he can do in your life. Like you're trying to figure out his plan and his purpose for you and how you can live out his will for your life and, and his will for you is always found in his word. Like God's will for you is always found in his word. And if you've been with us at C12, we've been in the whole C12 summer, which is just going over the element of biblical knowledge, which is revisiting maybe some of the basics when it comes to our faith. And we're going over the theme of biblical knowledge. And tonight we're going over, where did the Bible come from? Like, what, what, what is it? <laughs> it's even a better question to ask. Where did the Bible come from? What is it? Because in this room right now, we have people that are in different stages of life. We got people that maybe have been following Jesus for 20 years and you're like, yep, yeah, grew up in the church. I went to Sunday school. How many, how many grew up in the church? Like, you know, you, you grew up, you're like, I know it. Uh, how many people like, man, you just started coming to church last, you know, three, five years. Like you just started integrating. So we, we have a mix in the room. Maybe there's some of you that, that grew up in this. Maybe some of you would consider yourselves like a recent convert. Like I, I just figured out who Jesus was. I just started taking steps to follow him. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know if I really believe in this whole Jesus thing. I'm I'm a little bit more agnostic or maybe I'm an atheist. And I wanna speak to two audiences in the room. I wanna speak to those that maybe are asking questions. Like you're asking questions about like the Bible. What is it? Can I trust it? Is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? Why the Bible over other like religious books? If it's the inspired word of God, how can it be that way when it maybe is supposedly written by man? Is it accurate with history? Is it actually inerrant and infallible? Maybe for you in this room, you're like, I actually don't have a lot of questions about God's word. <laughs> like maybe you're in this room and you're like, yep, I, like, I trust God's word. I know it, I read it, I, I highlight it, and I underline it. I had the same Bible since I was five. Like this thing's falling apart, but my life isn't. <laughs> We've all heard that one before. You're like, ah, oh, it's cheesy, don't ever say that again. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I won't. <laughs> uh, maybe you're in this room and you're like, yeah, I, I, I know God's word. I don't think like I have to question it that much. Well, Let tonight equip you. Maybe let tonight help you if you're asking questions. Maybe let tonight equip you if you don't have a lot of questions because here's the thing. If you're not asking questions, other people are. If you're not asking questions about God's word, trust me, there's people in your workplace that definitely are. There's people that go to your school that are definitely asking questions about God's word. And who are they gonna ask? You. They're always gonna come to you asking, well, do you really believe in the personhood of Jesus? Do you really believe that God is who he says that he is. Do you really believe in the truth of God's word? And we as followers of Jesus, as the church, we have to be ready to be able to answer people when they ask questions about our faith. Look at what it says in 1 Peter. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to give an answer to people when they ask you about what's the hope that you have. And the hope that you have is found in the personhood of Jesus, which is founded on The word that God has given you, it's the holy inspired word of God. And we need to be able to, as witnesses, be able to help and give answers to people who are also asking asking questions. I love what it goes on. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Don't you feel like that's a timely word in today's day and age with gentleness and respect? In a world where it feels like one social media post is like the next world fire. The next argument is like the next family catastrophe. Like yesterday's taboo has now just become like today's interview. Everybody wants to talk about it. And we're gonna do this with gentleness and respect. And so I'm gonna branch off into something that we haven't done before. But I think we're, if we're honest, if we can have the conversation, a lot of us might be asking some of these questions and some of these, and wanting, wanting to have some of these conversations. So we're gonna take the next five minutes at your tables. I want you to, to have a moment where you just get to discuss and talk about it. There's questions on the screen behind me of what do you feel like is hard to comprehend when it comes to God's word? What questions you've, do you have when it comes to the Bible or what makes it hard in explaining the Bible to others? I'm gonna give you five minutes. Don't make this list apprehensive. Don't feel like you have to be a robot and move from one to the next. Maybe you got a sub question underneath it. Maybe there's another question that you have about God's word that maybe you feel like is helpful for the table or maybe your experiences when it comes to following Jesus. Like, I have a hard time registering the fact that maybe some of these passages seem contradicting. So let me give you five minutes. We're gonna play music. I'm gonna come back up. We're gonna talk about it right on the board. And we're gonna kind of dive deeper into where the Bible came from and what is it. But I wanna level the playing ground and just kind of go over some questions that you guys have. So take five minutes, talk at your tables, and I'll be right back up. I'm going to rein us back in Um, to kind of have more of a, maybe a a global conversation when it comes to it. Maybe you're having conversations at your table and you're with your friends and like, you know, the stage of life that they're in, you know, the questions that they're asking. But uh, I thought we just like one, make it a, a, a safe place. Like you can ask questions when it comes to God's word. And in fact, if you're not asking questions, I would encourage you to go do it. Like when it comes to like actually asking questions about God's word, like you're, how many of you in this room, you feel like I've that you have once doubted God's word, you've doubted who God's it, like who God is, like everyone's hand should be raised. <laughs> like my hand is raised as like, for sure, without a doubt. And here's the thing about your doubts, because your doubts always pull you deeper. When you have doubts about God's word, you get more drawn into his words so you see the truth of what it actually is. When you have doubts about the character and the nature of, of who God is, God draws you closer to himself because when you start asking questions, you start going deeper. Let me just expand on this thought just, one, one, just a little bit more before we start jumping into maybe a more global conversation. In, in, in Mark chapter four, when Jesus has this conversation, when he's, when he's giving a parable, then the disciples stick around. They ask Jesus, and they're asking him all these questions about, about the parable. Well, I, I Jesus, I don't I don't know what you meant by it. And in Mark four thirty four, it said he explained everything to them fully. He's taking everything about the parable and he's now explaining it to them. Why? Because their questions drew them deeper to the understanding of what the parable meant. Your questions always bring you to a deeper understanding of who God is. So let's just level the playing ground. If you got questions about God, welcome. <laughs> If you've got doubts about who he is, if you've got doubts about God's word, welcome. If you aren't, maybe have already started asking questions, we would encourage you to. Why? Because questions pull you deeper. So let's just start with the first thing. What do you feel like is hard to comprehend when it comes to God's word? I'm actually going to combine both those questions. So the thing of what's hard to comprehend when it comes to God's word and what questions do you have about the Bible? Just go ahead and, and, and shout it out. Divorce? Okay? Eternity. Forgiveness? Okay. What are the questions you have about God's word? What do you feel like again, maybe another way of asking the question, what do you think it's hard to comprehend? Questions about God's word, it's legitimacy, it's inaccuracy, it's like, what, what do you feel like you have questions about? Maybe it is the topics of, well, what does it say about divorce or eternity or slavery, forgiveness, love, what else? We can keep shouting them out. Miracles, Miracles. okay. Let's do, let's do two more. I heard, great, I heard spears and I was like, I don't think that's right, but I didn't want to count you out. <laughs> I was like, we can. I guess we can talk about spears. I don't know. Uh, people in the Old Testament probably use those from time to time. Uh, they probably throw them around. <laughs> Maybe you have questions about when it comes to God's word. You have questions about the Bible. You have questions about the truth of, of what it is. What, what do you feel like? I'm not going to write these down, but what do you feel like it makes it hard in explaining the Bible to other people? Just go ahead and shout that out. What do, what do you feel like? This is actually hard to communicate the Bible to somebody else. Stubbornness of somebody else. The rejection of like, hey, I, I have a fear in like sharing it and I'm, I'm going I'm to get rejected. Loss of friendship. God's timing. Legitimacy. Spirituality in God. Okay, not enough information. What was that one right there? Explaining God's love when no one's ever felt it before. <laughs> Ooh. So Matt, what he said was basically recorrecting maybe what somebody grew up with and what they taught and correcting them and showing them what the truth of God's word actually is. All right, let's camp out there, shall we? That's, all right. Old Testament versus New Testament. Okay. What else? Let's do two more. Right there, yep. All the laws of the Old Testament, do they still apply today? Yep. Right, when someone takes scripture out of context. I love these responses. You know why? Because you face them on a day-to-day basis, and so do I. You get these questions from people in the workplace all the time. You get questions about the legitimacy of God's word. You get questions about, well, does the Old Testament still apply today? You get questions about, well, what does the Bible say about fear? What does it say about forgiveness or love or miracles? What, what does the Bible say about some hot topic issues in our, in our culture? What does the Bible actually say about certain things? Let's just go back to where did the Bible even come from? Where did the Bible, how, how, how is the word that you have today How did that evolve over time? When it comes to God's word, and more importantly, maybe just what is it? Because if we're not asking more questions about God's word and diving deeper into the scripture and allowing that to bring more freedom and life to our life, I know that there's other people that you work with, that you have your family members or your friends that who don't know Jesus and they're asking these same questions. And I hope that you're comfortable with just saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. How many have ever been in a situation where somebody asks you a question about faith, about God, about the Bible, and and, and you felt like I was not adequate to like answer the question? You felt like, oh my gosh, I feel stupid. (laughs) Like I feel dumb because I don't know what to say. I think it's totally okay for you to say, I don't know. Because you're not gonna know every answer, but with that I don't know, becomes a hunger on your end to go find out that answer. Growing up, it's like in school, you were never really taught to really say, I don't know. Like when you're, when you're taking a test, you can't write, I don't know. On a, when, some, when there's like a question on the piece of paper, you can't write, I don't know. And I thought we'd just kind of kick around some of these, uh, uh, some kids answers on tests uh, if we got those. Um, <laughs> Bob has 36 candy bars. He's 29. What does he have now? Diabetes. Bob, <laughs> Bob has diabetes. Didn't really answer the question. But that's all right. Uh, let's go to the next one uh five words you can spell five words you can spell (laughs) that's the smartest kid right there so many teachers like i I hate that kid i I don't want that kid in my classroom uh let's go to the next one The next one and in 1896 1895 (laughs) you're not wrong like he's not he's not wrong what do you do as a teacher You, you gotta let him pass like you can't like he's not wrong uh, let's go to the last one. I think this is the, this is the uh, final one. Uh, what do you do I think is the best solution for overpopulation? The Hunger Games. <laughs> All right. We have a <laughs> merging generation of kids growing up in our world. Uh, can't wait. Uh, maybe you got like so just some funny answers like that. Maybe if you're a teacher in the room, like, you know, that there's always that one kid growing up when you're taking tests in school, you don't feel like you're you're adequate just to say, I don't know. Like when there's a question on a test, you always have to have an answer. Maybe it's something funny. Maybe it's something dumb. Maybe it's something. But on a test, if you don't answer it, you get deducted. And in our world, we're not even almost trained or almost even thought to think. Like I could say, I don't know. I don't know. I hope it even becomes more of the norm. That you feel comfortable saying when people ask you questions about God's word, who he is, that you would say, I don't know, if you actually don't know the answer. And that actually pull you deeper. So before we kind of jump in and going over where did the Bible come from, what is it? I just want to take a second and pray. I hope tonight's conversation, through discussion and through just reading God's word, that it spikes something in you. That it actually intrigues you to go deeper with knowing God's word and who he is. That you'd have a hunger for God's word. So let's pray. So, God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for community. God, thank you for this ministry. God, thank you for C12. And, God, the people in this room, Father, I know that they're here tonight because, God, you designed them to be here. And, God, we can look at a Thursday and just say, you know what? It's another Thursday, it's another night. And God, I pray specifically, God, uh, uh, God, over people in this room who maybe feel inadequate to share your word, who feel inadequate to share your love. And God, I pray that through tonight, God, they'd have a better understanding of where where the Bible came from and, God, what it is. And God, I pray specifically over this room, God, for anyone who's asking questions. God, anyone who's in a hard and difficult season of just figuring out, God, what you have for them and what you want to do in this time in their life. And so God, we just pray that you would come and meet us and God, we pray this in your name. Everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Let's jump in. So the Bible, where to it come from? What is it? Well, let's just boil down to it. The Bible is the word of God. It's his word to you. And so how you know God's will for your life, it can always be found in his word. How do you know what it means to be holy? Well, it's found in his word. How do you know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus? It can be found in his word. How do you know what his plans and his purposes are for your life? It is found in his word. The Bible is God's word to you. It's a universal word that he's given to all human beings on earth, and it's also personal. It's meant for everyone. It's meant for you. But his word speaks to you. This is what it says about the Bible in Hebrews 4. It says, for the the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even, even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So alive and active, what does that mean? It means that the Bible, it just isn't like, it just, it it isn't words on on, on a page. It's not a history book. It's not a biography or a nonfiction novel. It's not like a little good beach read by Emily Henry. Like, this is not a, this is not, this is not just some fun book that you get to read. This, 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 the Bible is living and active. And God is still speaking today and primarily through his word. Transformation happens because of the engaging and inspired word of God. Maybe another way to say it. I've actually found another passage of Scripture. This, again, this is, this is a final charge to Timothy. It says, that, it says this, but as for you, continue what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the scripture is God-breathed. So when we say it's not just words on a page, scripture is God-breathed. It's not just a combination of a bunch of people's thoughts and a bunch of dudes sitting in a room and feeling like, ah, we should just put this and call it a day and make it and wrap it and put a bow on it. It's God it's breathed, it's the inspired word of God. It's as what it says in Hebrews, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. This means that God's word is convicting and it's piercing. But when it judges the very thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, cutting through joint and marrow, this, this, this is what it means when you read God's word. I've heard it said this way, you're, you're not reading God's word as much as God's word is reading you. Every time you open it, this is living and active. It's now reading you, it's transforming you, it's molding you. It's forming you to become more of who Jesus is, of who God has designed you to be of what it means to be holy. So where did it come from? <laughs> I have this book, you can buy it in the store, I got the YouVersion app, it's like, I, I can kinda have access to it anywhere. Where, where, where did the Bible come from? I'm gonna give a little bit of a history and maybe just a, a synopsis. Could I go into everything? No, but I'm gonna try and hit maybe some of just the more of the key monumental moments. This is thousands and thousands of years ago. This is where you kind of see maybe the the first instance of, of, of of the formation of it. Again, could I hit on everything when it comes to history, the timeline of the Bible? No, but I'm going to hit on some of the key major points. You see this in 1400, 1500 BC. BC meaning this is before Jesus and his physical flesh was on earth. God wrote the Ten Commandments in ancient Hebrew on stone. So you now see this. A lot of people like to think, well, Moses is the one that wrote it. When you see it actually in Exodus 31, you see that God actually wrote it on tablets of stone and gave that to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. This is the first instance of God's written word that was actually given to us. And years later, Moses, most likely the author, a lot of scholars would think that Moses is the author of the first five books of the Old Testament, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's known as the Pentateuch. And these words were then written on scrolls that were just made from animal skin. So you skip now forward into 500 B.C. and Now there's, all these, now there's 39 books which consist of the Old Testament. It was completed and preserved in Hebrew on scrolls. All these scrolls were written on, on, on animal skins. And God continued to use people to write down his word. Fast forward, skip ahead to 1st century A.D. The New Testament now has been completed and it was preserved in Greek. They didn't write it no longer on just animal skin, it was actually on papyrus, which is more of a thin, kind of comes from, it drives from like a thin plant. And now they use that to, to, to write God's word down. And, and then you skip even farther ahead. After the, the death of Jesus in 367, there was a bishop in Alexandria. And he, he wrote this, this Easter letter. And in it, he put all the books that, that you now read today in the New Testament. He, he compiled it, he composed it. in the year 393 A.D., the African Senate at Hippo approved all the books that you now find listed in your New Testament today. And when you skip ahead, when you look at this timeline, you see that the Bible has been translated into 500 languages and then you get into 600 AD. So now that the, the Bible not, it wasn't just written in Hebrew or Greek, now it's translated into multiple other languages so that people have access to God's word. And then 600 AD, the Catholic church made a decree and said, you know what? Nope." We're not allowing anybody to have access to God's word. Like we're, we're the ones that know Latin and we're the ones that are gonna take control of it. At that time it was a uh, pretty corrupt and that was uh, inside this kind of our church history timeline. It was restricted only to Latin. All other versions were considered illegal. If you were known to have any version of scripture in your own language, you could be executed on the spot. So the Catholic church issued this decree that nobody else could have a Bible in their own language. They were the primary church in the region. So they wanted to, 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 to dictate and control their own theology. And what they did is that they, even inside of it, they put other things and they even added their own language to things that are not even found in scripture things of like purgatory that aren't, that aren't necessarily mentioned in scripture, things of what it means to kind of like pay your transgressions, which is people actually paying a, a certain amount of money to cover my own wrongdoings or my shortcomings. See, this lasted for about a thousand years. It's known as the dark ages. It's a period where it was literally illegal for someone to have a Bible. A thousand year gap. After roughly that amount of time, there was kind of a secret Bible society that was made up to kind of actually study God's word. Let's get back to the basics. What is God's word? What is the truth of what God's saying This came from a guy named Columba who gathered people together to study God's word faithfully. Then you skip ahead even farther in the timeline. You see this is John Wycliffe. How many have ever heard of him? You've heard like the translations, you look up on Google, the John Wycliffe, the, the, the translation of the English Bible. He's actually translated the Bible into English. He was the first person to ever do it. He was known as a heretic for taking God's word and translating it into English. And there's someone else that was a lot like him. He was actually burned at the stake for his stance on the Bible. And they bashed him so hard that they actually used John Wycliffe's Bibles to start the fire. When he died, he actually said something pretty I think is profound and said over the next 100 years, God will raise up somebody to continue the Reformation. This is where Martin Luther comes into play. He nailed this famous 95 Theses on the church door at the church in Wittenberg. And you see this all throughout history I'm not gonna go into every single thing in the timeline, but you see all throughout history how it is now not just written just for a certain language, but that God's word was translated over time into different languages that you have now a version on your phone, you have a version that is written in English, you have a version written in Spanish, like it is now translated in your own language that you have the living and active word of God right before you. And the problem in that day and age was their access to God's word. The problem was that they didn't exactly have access to a a version that was written in their language. See, the problem then was their access. The problem today is engagement. The problem then was their access to God's word. Today, the problem is our engagement with God's word. (laughs) We have access to God's word more than we have ever had. You can pull it up on YouVersion, you can look it up on Google, you can buy buy a Bible at the store, you can go to a hotel and it's sitting in the top drawer of of the little center console in between the two beds. Like you you can find a Bible wherever. And I, I really believe maybe God would want to use this culture, this community to move from access to engagement. What would it look like that God would take you that God would now begin to, 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 to transform your life by his word, that you would move from access to engagement. I don't just have access to God's word. I can engage with God's word. Well, in 1952, there was a man named Steve Sanders. Again, we're going over a lot of history. I hope this is helpful in explaining where the Bible came from because maybe you still have questions, and yeah, cool, I I get how it it came about, I understand it, but I have more questions like, is one, is, is the Bible even reliable? Like, can I even trust the Bible? In 1952, there was a historian named Steve Sanders who came up with three specific tests to evaluate the authenticity of historical writings, which are the internal test, the external test, and the bibliographic test. The internal test. Well, how do I know it's true? How do I know they're not made up stories? How do I know that what the Bible actually means is what it says? How do I know that it's actually legitimate? How many of you have ever heard a story and you're like, I don't know if I, if I believe that. Like someone told you a story and it was like some crazy story and you're like, bro, you're lying. Like there's no, there's no way that, there's no way that happened. <laughs> like I, I'm not convinced. Uh, uh, how many of you guys know, know Johnny Otley uh, at C12? Yeah, love Johnny. I wish Johnny was here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this story. Um, well, <laughs> uh, Johnny, if you don't know, uh, he actually tried to hike the whole Appalachian Trail. And uh, Johnny told me, uh, he's on this, on this Appalachian Trail, uh, he came across, uh, there was another man who got attacked by a, uh, by a bear. And on this trail, there was this man who got attacked by a bear. Well, Johnny's just hiking the Appalachian Trail by himself. He's walking along. And all of a sudden, the news channel just shows up out of nowhere. And he starts telling me this whole story about how the news channel interviewed him on, on uh, what it looks like to prevent bear attacks. And Johnny's like, well, you know, I just, you know, put up a food rack and, and Johnny's unpacking stories. Like, I don't even know what a food rack is. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying stuff. And they're quoting me. And, and I'm listening to Johnny tell this story. He's telling me all these stories about how he's traveling the world. And he hiked the Appalachian Trail. And I'm like, bro, no way. Like, there's, there's no way. And then he pulls up the video. He pulls up the video of an interview that he had with Fox 5 Atlanta along the trail. And I'm like, it's real, it happened. Like that's you in the flesh. Like that, that is Johnny right there. I was, I, was blown, I was blown away. We've all heard stories at first. You're like, there's no way, bro. Like there's no way that's real, there's no way that happened. You hear like some people's life experiences and circumstances, you're like, there's no way. There's literally no way. We've all felt like we just have heard stories. You're like, oh my gosh, it would take a lot for me to actually understand and and, and believe that. The internal test. Well, how do I know they're not just made up stories? Well, look at what it says in 2 Peter. It says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Basically being, hey, this passes the internal test. <laughs> These aren't just some made up rumors. These aren't the game of telephone and you pass it along and I wonder if, if that was actually true. What if that happened? They were eyewitnesses of who Jesus was and the person and what he came to do. The Bible's not made up of rumors or, com- or uh, compiled of campfire stories from people. There were eyewitness accounts of seeing what's actually happened. You see this all throughout the New Testament. It doesn't just pass the internal test, it passes the external test. What does outside evidence say about the Bible? Aren't, aren't there other, have you heard questions? Like doesn't evolution actually disprove the Bible? Aren't there like kind of like archeological finds that actually like disprove, like actually biblical information? There's a guy named Nelson Lewick, who's actually the, a famous and world-renowned archaeologist. And he said, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference, ever. Mind-blowing. <laughs> then all the writings, all the things throughout scripture, and you look at the timeline, the date, things of all the way back from the flood, did that happen? You look at the the, the timeline, the date of, of, of how, even how scripture came to be, you look at that and there's not even one single thing that contradicts or, or, or is beginning to controvert a biblical reference anywhere. So you set out to define. It passes the internal test, it passes the external test and the bibliographic test. It's kind of like the, this is the third test. We think of the the. the Bibliographic test it kind of brings you back to high school, doesn't it? (laughs) Like all the the tests that you had to take. Like what what is it really trying to accomplish? Well, what is this test really about? It's about kind of unpacking the original documents and how it's translated today. How well does does the, the manuscripts, the original manuscripts translate for today? For example, there's only really one original manuscript and then people made copies of them. And sometimes they make dozens of copies of them. And when there was ever one error, they would take the whole thing, they'd scrap it and they'd throw it, and they'd start all over again. What's amazing to me is actually count up all the Old Testament find out what the central of the letter of the Old Testament, and after the whole manuscript was complete, when they begin to find a mistake, they'd throw it away. But when you start thinking about the copies of the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's very few copies because either way, they'd wear out or they'd be ceremonially burned or buried. and They'd be destroyed if there's any imperfections found. They were all about perfectly translating it word for word on paper. And now you got to wrestle the question, well, how accurate are biblical copies? <laughs> well, let's compare the Bible to some other historical writings. How many history people do we have in the room? Like how many of you are like, oh my gosh, I love history. Uh, the five, <laughs> the few, the proud, <laughs> the historians. <laughs> so maybe you had to read uh, the Odyssey in high school. What, 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 what books did we read, uh, the, 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 like historical books? Like, what was the thing that you guys had to read in high school? Kill a Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird? Is that a historical book? No, okay, I didn't. I was, I was like, I don't know if that's a historical book. <laughs> I had to read Of Mice and Men. That was the book I had to read. You guys, did you guys ever read that in Georgia, The of Mice and Men? Okay. That wasn't a Wisconsin thing? All right. Yeah, up in the north, our IQ's a little lower. <laughs> Maybe it's the Odyssey. Maybe it's the, the Iliad by Homer. There are, Iliad's one of the most like, kind of famous, renowned historical pieces of writing. There's only 643 copies of the Iliad, there are of the New Testament, catch this, 24,000 copies. We look at the historical writings, not even close. When you compare it to any other historical writing beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Bible stands alone and passes the bibliographic test with flying colors without a doubt every day. You don't just look at the copies and its translation and was it accurate? You look at, well, yeah, but doesn't the Bible kind of contradict itself? Is what God and what it says in the Old Testament that actually come to pass in the New Testament? How many of you, like, you love watching movies? Movies is your thing. Like, how many, okay. Uh, what I would compare, uh, uh, again, this might be a bad analogy, so forgive me if it's bad. The, the uh, way I would compare maybe a, 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 a prophecy, it's, it's not just a prediction, but it's a proclamation of like, hey, this is, this is yet to come. There's lots of prophecies in the Old Testament that actually Jesus came to fulfill in the New Testament, in the movies. Have you been around those people that kind of like, as you're watching a movie, they're like, oh, I know it's going to happen. Yep. How, oh, Man. I just wanna be, some of you are like, yeah, you're that person. <laughs> how many of you are that person? You're like, I, I wanna predict what's happening. I wanna know what's happening. How many of you are right every time? Like, be honest, like you're like, you know it. How many, how many of you like, you'll have, to, you'll have to like bring some spoiler alerts, you know? Like you love to spoil, I'm watching Stranger Things right now. Listen, I was around some people who started to spoil some stuff. I was like, no, uh-uh. I wanna be surprised. Like, let me, let me watch this. <laughs> See what the prophecy It feels like it's kind of a prediction of what's to come in the Old Testament. You see Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. There was a group uh, of people, and it's actually from a professor. His name was Peter Stoner. He's not a twelve-stoner. <laughs> Imagine being called a stoner, though. Um, it was a professor who actually took all of his classes with six hundred students, and they wanted to find the like the likelihood of these prophecies, like. If he just took eight of them, would they, would they even come to pass? And you see, I just want to throw up this chart of just all the Old Testament prophecies and where you see them come to pass in the, in the New Testament. We have that. We can throw that up there. If not, I'll, we'll, we'll just talk about it. Awesome. Let's talk about it. <laughs> in the Old Testament, <laughs> you have all these prophecies of who Jesus was, what he came to do. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. (laughs) About the time of Jesus' birth, they found out the population of the world and said, hey, what are the odds of a person being born in Bethlehem? Again, I'm going back to this example with Peter Stoner and using this this classroom of students and and looking at, hey, like if you just took eight of them, are these even legitimate? And they took eight of them and they put them together and said, what are the odds of these eight specific things happening to one person? And they were just, they were one in, I can't even say the number, 10 with 17 zeros behind it. That's the odds of that happening. Give another visual, some of you've heard this before, the visual estate of Texas. If the whole state of Texas was covered in two feet of silver dollars and someone threw a coin in there, blindfold and say, go, go and find it. The chances of finding that right coin would be about the same as these eight prophecies being fulfilled in the life of Jesus it'd be the same odds. Yet every prophecy in the Old Testament that pointed back to who Jesus was came to be fulfilled in the New Testament. I know we're pushing past time a little bit and I kinda wanna end it with this. I wish I could talk about everything, I know I can't. Some of you wrote up some stuff that we're actually gonna be going over in the fall. Over the last little bit, my conversations with God haven't felt like they've been super active. You ever have seasons where you don't feel like God's really saying a lot to me? I don't really feel like I hear it audibly. I don't know if I really feel like I can hear God's voice clearly. I don't know if I can sense that God's really saying a ton. And yet every time I'm drawn back more to God's word and I feel like What God's trying to communicate is, hey, I'd rather you not hear my audible voice as much as the written one that you have access to every single day. And maybe for you tonight that you'd be drawn back into God's word that you'd have a deeper hunger for his word and for who he is. That God's word is living and active. It's sharper than any double edged sword. It is God breathed. It passes every test. All the prophecies came to pass. The Bible is inerrant, it's infallible, it's 100% accurate, it's trustworthy. That God's word is living and active. It has the same power as it did 100 years ago that it has today. And God wants to use that to begin to transform your life, that you begin to live out what God's word has and says for you. Of what God's maybe, what his will is for your life, you can find it through, find it through the word. Of where maybe God's word is right now convicting you. Of where he's maybe to calling you to, to, to love your family well. Maybe where he's calling you to step in obedience. This is the truth of who God is is found in his word. And I just want to pray and Justin's going to kind of come up at the end of the night. He's going to wrap us up. I just want to pray to close this out and pray that you would have a deeper sense and hunger of God's word. That you would grow in an intimacy with God. That you'd fall more in love with his scripture. And so let's pray. So God, thank you for, God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for God, one, moving in this ministry and thinking, God, of of even last week and God, how you're moving, God, in powerful ways. And so, Father, I just pray, God, even in this moment, God, that there, God, would your word go forth? And God, I just pray that you would begin to, uh, God, speak to people. God, I pray that you would, God, just call them deeper into an understanding of who you are. And God, we couldn't hit at everything. Tonight, in every question and every doubt, every historical piece and every, find that points back to you, that shows the legitimacy of your word, but God, we know that we can trust it. And God, I pray, God, a covering, God, over this community, God, that they would grow. Father, what it means to love your word more than anything, that your word is a lamp unto our feet, it guides our path, it guides our steps. And so God, we just pray this in your name everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Justin White, wrap
0: us up, bro. Amen. Can we give it up for Alex? Come on. That's my pastor right there. Well, hey, you guys, tonight's been a blast. By no means is it over at all. We would love, after I share these two things, to invite you to keep hanging out. I see still like half of the salsa still uneaten. If you don't walk out of here with the salsa stain on your shirt like I'm doing, did you even eat the salsa? Uh, So keep hanging out, keep eating. Hey, I want to talk to you about two things real quick. Number one, you guys are hanging out in small groups right now. I don't know if you knew it. This is a small group of people. We have small groups that we talk about almost every week. I can't encourage you enough if you enjoyed the conversation tonight, if it kind of gave you insight into what having a smaller community of believers, of, of people who are running after the same things as you, if this gave you insight into what small groups could do, how God could transform your life through a smaller community, come talk to me. We would love to help you sign up. We You can see kind of what to text and how to text it. Uh, you guys got to sign up. It's so good. We have the rest of the summer left, even if you're going off to college. It finishes in August, so there's kind of no excuse. Okay, that's the the first thing. The second thing, I want to talk to you guys about C12 uh, C12 Connect and our C12 Cookout. I lied, there's three. C12 Cookout is coming up next Saturday, so July 16th. It is already the 7th, isn't that crazy? So July 16th, you'll see at 5 p.m. this address. We're gonna flash it so that you can't come, Uh, you can't write it down, we don't have enough time. I'm just joking. Look, there's a QR code, sign it. Not only are we gonna be cooking out, I don't know if you heard uh, Alex talking about trip cooking earlier, Matt is gonna be our sous chef. Uh, We've got the two best chefs. In the Southeast, I'll fight anybody on that one. Uh, Hey, we're going to have food and burgers, yes, but we're also going to have a uh, kickball tournament. It's going to be a crazy time. So, hey, if you want to be in the kickball tournament, you got to register ahead of time. If you want to come and watch the kickball tournament, you should still come and register so we know how much food to make. Thank you for listening to the C12 Podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram, at C12stone. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.